Chapter Sixteen of the Travelling Thirds by Gertrude Atherton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Sixteen. But my dear Catalina, why, of course I cannot go. The idea is preposterous. Now you are talking by the book. Why was Europe made except for the American to play in and refresh himself for the same old duties at home? and for a man of your intelligence to balk at a bull-fight it isn't that i exactly balk i mean i'm not squeamish and i could look away at the worst part but i do not approve of bull-fights and i think it wrong to lend my countenance the bull-fight will go on just the same and no one race is good enough to condemn the customs of another see the world impartially and then go your own gait besides you have come to study spain and how can you pretend to know it unless you see it at its most characteristic amusement don't look at the arena if you had rather not but think of the opportunity to see spain en masse at its very worst there is much in what you say but great heaven suppose it ever were known in america that i had been to a bull-fight i should lose the confidence of a million people i might be driven out of the church there aren't a dozen Americans in Toledo, and the bull-ring holds five thousand people. You can sit in the back of the box. No one will be looking at anything but the bull-fight, anyhow. Mr. Moulton drew a long sigh. He wanted very much to go to the bull-fight, and away from his family, and alone with Catalina, whom he could never hope to influence, in this holiday crowd of dark, eager faces he felt almost emancipated and reckless. Over was ahead with Senora Villena and her daughter, and they were slowly making their way up the Calle de la Puertalagana towards the Plaza Ayantamiento. They reached it in a moment. It was so crowded with cabs and large open carrioles waiting to take people to the bull-ring that there was little room for foot-passengers. The carrioles were very attractive with their six mules apiece, hung with bells and decorated with worsted fringe, and Mr. Moulton sighed again. Before the Archbishop's palace a cab awaited the Señor Villena. It held but three seats, and she turned with polite hesitation to Mr. Moulton and Captain Over, as they all stood, united at last, beside it. "'I am so sorry,' she said, "'but I fear—' "'We are going in one of those omnibuses,' said Catalina promptly. "'I am simply dying to go that way, with the crowd.' "'And, of course, you will not object, Senora, so long as my cousin is with me.' The Senora smiled, very much relieved. "'Bueno,' she said, "'and I will await you at the entrance to the Sombra.' "'You are a little wretch,' said Over, as Mr. Moulton, flushed and excited, tucked the Senora and her daughter into their cab. "'It won't hurt him, and he will be sure to let it out to Cousin Miranda.' "'Oh, I see!' He laughed and went to the emptiest of the rapidly filling carrioles to secure their seats. Catalina followed immediately, holding Mr. Moulton firmly by the arm. But that beacon light of American literature had the instinct of the true sport in the depths of his manifold compromises. The die was cast. He had weakly permitted Catalina to commit him, and he would enjoy himself without his conscience and it would have been a far more conscience-stricken man than this to have remained unaffected by the gay animation that quickened the very mules. 
The vendors were shrieking their wares, men and women, their hard faces glowing, were fighting their way good-naturedly towards the omnibuses, whose drivers cracked their whips and shouted invitations at so much ahead. And then, suddenly, in a corner of the plaza appeared the picadors in their medieval gorgeousness of attire, astride the ill-fated old nags. It was the signal to start. The picadors wheeled and led the way to the north. The cabs rattled after. Then the willing mules were given rein, and, jingling all their bells, plunged down the narrow streets to the high road, scattering the foot-passengers who, a motley crowd of men, women, boys, girls, infants in arms, streamed after. On the rough, dusty highway they passed one thousand more, trudging towards the Plaza de Toros, eating and drinking as they went. They were come from the surrounding towns, many from Madrid, and even they led children by the hand and carried infants blinking in the strong sunlight. They cheered the picadors, who responded with the lofty courtesy of the medieval general on his way to the wars. Far below there was not a sign of life on the great vega, nor in the villas on the mountain slopes. All the little world about seemed to be crowded upon the knotted heights of Toledo. When Catalina and her cavaliers arrived at the Plaza de Toros, other crowds were struggling through the entrances, but at the door on the shady side, where tickets were high, there was no one at that moment but the Senora Viena and her daughter. They went up at once, the Americans and the Englishmen, as curious to see the crowd as the bullfight. As the box was Catalina's, she had no difficulty to persuade the Vienas to occupy the front seats. She sat just behind with Captain Over, and in the obscure depths of the rear, Mr. Moulton felt himself to be blessed indeed. "'It seems incredible that they bring children here,' he said, as his untiring gaze rose over the rapidly filling amphitheatre. "'No wonder they are callous when they are grown. But I'll not believe they can see such a sight unmoved at their tender years. I shall watch them with great interest.' It would be half an hour before the entertainment began, but only the boxes were reserved. Long before the signal, nearly every seat was occupied, from the vulnerable lower row up to the light Moorish arcade, through which the sky looked even bluer than above. It was a various and picturesque sight to foreign eyes. Scarcely a woman wore a hat. There were many mantillas of a texture and pattern so fine there could be no doubt of the breeding of the owners. A few wore the black rebosa, but by far the greater number were bareheaded, their hair very smooth, and ornamented with high combs, flowers, or pins. There were enough handsome Spanish shawls on the shoulders of the women this fiery day to have furnished a bazaar. Brilliant blue shawls, heavily embroidered and fringed with white, black shawls, white shawls, red shawls, all of silk, all embroidered and fringed and it was already a thirsty crowd. Vendors were forcing their way between the seats, selling water out of jugs and wine out of skins, and even here the water made a wider appeal than the wine. It was anything but a cruel sea of faces, hard though the Spanish type may be. Many a group of women had their heads together, gossiping, no doubt, while the men waited in stolid expectation of the treat in store, signalled to brighter eyes, or discussed the chances of the day, and the talents of the espadas, who would do the bulls to death. "'They all now take the sacrament,' the senora informed Catalina, who translated for the benefit of the two men. 
last night they confessed and fasted and their wives pray until the fast is over mr moulton snorted then reminded himself that he was pleasuring and ordered his critical faculty into the depths of its shop by jove said over somebody you know asked catalina heavens what a caricature she is a ripping nice woman and a countrywoman of your own a mrs lawrence ruff of new york i met her about in london remember now she told me she was coming to spain she's a bit made up but what of that so many are you know you should see london at the fag end of the season a bit catalina lifted her nose with young intolerance her hair looks like a geranium bed is that her son he is rather good-looking that is her husband they have been married several years he's quite a decent chap keen on horses he looks older than he is thirty i fancy still i'm rather sorry for him i should think so she must be fifty that is severe of you she's probably getting on to forty-five not more i'm told she was a ripping fine woman five years ago but she has had a lot of trouble all her children refuse to speak to her and she has got a divorce to marry ruff she's really very jolly if you will excuse me a minute i'll go and speak to her the woman who was adjusting herself at some pains in the next box but one was extremely tall and thin and her blazing locks admirably coiffe as they were above her broken but still handsome face excited the comment of others than catalina she had sacrificed her face to her figure and had reached that definite age when women dye their hair with henna but even forty is an age when the entire absence of flesh makes a woman look not youthful but like an old maid and scarlet hair that would harden a young face is a searchlight above every hollow and patch of manufactured surface in the case of mrs ruff however so distinct was the air of good breeding with which she carried her expensive charms so proud yet retiring her manner and so perfect her taste in dress that she ran no risk of being mistaken for a cocotte she was stamped deeply and delicately with the brand of the new york woman of fashion the difference between whom the same may be said of the small groups of her kind in other great american cities and the average stylish american is as marked in its way as the difference between the parisian and the french provincial indeed the juxtaposition is even more unfortunate for the frenchwoman of the provinces is frankly dowdy and hence escapes looking cheap even catalina in a moment felt her unwilling admiration creeping forth to the subtle charm of perfect poise and grooming the firm yet tactful suggestion of a race apart in a bulk of eighty millions of mere americans mrs roth was talking to over with a great show of animation and her companion a virile good-looking young man evidently college-bred had greeted the englishman with an enthusiasm suspicious in the travelling husband she is going to granada next week whispered over significantly as he took his seat once more beside catalina i have asked if i may take you to call on her tomorrow yes said catalina absently the president of the occasion the mayor of toledo had entered his box the mounted police in crimson and gold to the sudden rush of martial music were careering about the arena driving the stragglers to their seats a moment later came the paseo de la quadrilla the procession of all the bullfighters across the arena to the foot of the president's box 
the espadas and the understudies the banderilleros and the picadors and chulos all gorgeous in the gold embroidered short clothes and brocades of old spain none of them looked young in spite of picturesque finery and pigtails and their smoothly shaven faces may best be described by the expressive americanism tough but between bullfights they do not live the lives of model citizens and may be younger than they look certainly their calling demands the agility and unbrittle brain cells of youth the president who received them standing bowed with much ceremony and then cast a key into the arena it unlocked one of the dark cells or torils adjoining the arena where the first of the angry bulls was bellowing for light and space and dinner the picadors with one exception retired this hero of the first engagement taking his stand by the door whence all had emerged the espadas banderilleros and others of lower estate scattered at safe distances from the door of the toril near which stood a chulo to direct the attention of the bull to the picador lest he fly first at the unmounted men and disappoint the spectators of their wet of blood but the bull might have been rehearsed for his part as the door of his toril was cautiously opened he flew straight at the blindfolded horse without a side glance or a roar and not waiting for a teasing prod of the picador's pike he bored his horns into the luckless animal's side and dragged out his entrails catalina closed her eyes and turned her back she felt horribly faint then looked at mr moulton he also had turned his back and his profile was green nevertheless he had the presence of mind to observe a small boy of seven or eight years whom he had singled out for psychological investigation the boy looked bored the worst is past for the moment said over to catalina and under cover of her mantilla he took her hand they will take the poor brute out and the rest is pure sport and catalina in a tensity of emotion held fast to his hand during the rest of the performance quite unconscious of the act the bull meanwhile had dashed for the glittering figures in the middle of the arena his red horns looking as if they would rip the earth did they encounter nothing more inviting then came the graceful agile antics of the banderilleros after the chulos with their flirting capes had tormented and bewildered the bull for a few moments first one banderillero and then another received him in full charge leaping aside as he lowered his horns to gore and thrust the barbed darts flaunting with coloured ribbons into the back of his neck one man leaped clear over the bull planting his darts in his flight the next went over the wall of the arena into the narrow passage below the front row of seats the bull in full tilt after him but diverted by a chulo before he reached the wall it was true sport and catalina had forgotten her horror and was leaning forward with interest when she gave a sharp cry and dug her nails into over's hand the picador instead of retiring with his stricken horse had leisurely ridden down the arena to see the sport and there he sat serenely the bright entrails of the poor brute upholding him hanging to the ground but only for a moment a young horse could have stood no more and the old hack reserved for the sacrifice by an economical people suddenly sank and expired without a shiver he had not uttered a sound as the ball ripped him open but he had started and quivered mightily he had been dying ever since and collapsed in an instant catalina cowered behind her fan 
"'I wish I had not come!' she gasped into Over's ear. Mr. Moulton was in need of consolement himself. "'Why didn't you tell me? I had never been to a bullfight, and you told me you were an old hand at it.' "'That was only child's play, and all the accounts of bullfights I have ever read gave me the impression that the brutality was quite lost in the picturesqueness. This is hideously businesslike. That expresses it, and there is no enthusiasm as yet, because there has not been enough blood. It will take two more mangled horses to rouse them. Do you want to go? After this act, I'd never sit through another, but I'll see this through. The blood streaming from the wounds in his neck, where the banderillas still quivered, plunged or darted about the arena, striving to reach his tormentors. But, charged with the swiftness of the wind as he might, the leaping banderilleros either planted their darts or as dexterously plucked them out. Suddenly the president rose and made a signal. The chulos and banderilleros enticed the bull to the right of the arena, and then the espada of the first engagement, hitherto posing for the admiration of the spectators, brought forth his sword and red muleta, and, walking with a sort of jaunty solemnity to the foot of the president's box, dedicated the death of the bull to the functionary whose honour it was to preside over this corrida de toros he then walked over to the bull and waved the red cloth before his eyes in descriptions of bullfights especially when the espada is the hero of the tale this final episode is always pictured as one of great excitement and involving a terrible risk as a matter of fact it is deferred until the bull is nearly exhausted he has some fight left in him it is true and an inexperienced espada might easily be tossed but those that oftener meet with death in the bull-ring are the banderilleros who plant their darts as the bull charges the legs of the picadors are padded and they are always close enough to the wall to leap over if the bull brings the horse down nothing could be tamer than the final scene in the first act of today's continuous performance the espada danced about the bull for a few minutes waving his red flag and then as the brute stood at bay with his head down looking far more weary than belligerent he stepped lightly to one side and drove his sword through the neck in the direction of the heart a very neat and decent operation the bull did not drop at once and there was no applause he stood as if lost in thought for a few moments and the espada was forgotten he had failed then the bull turned wavered sank slowly to earth another door flew open and in rushed a team of four mules abreast jingling with gala bells the bull was dragged out at their tails and his trail of blood covered with fresh sand catalina rose and bent over her duenna we will go now senora she said but you will remain of course i shall be well taken care of the senora viena looked up with polite amazement you go are you ill dear senorita it has only begun there are many more bulls to kill i have had enough to last me for the rest of my life hasta luego it was not at every bullfight that the senora sat in a box and she settled back in her conspicuous seat thankful that the very bourgeois senor moulton had accompanied her singular charge as they were leaving the box catalina saw that another picador had entered and stood precisely as his predecessor had done with the profile of his blindfolded horse towards the door of the toril fascinated she stood rooted to the spot 
some deep savage lust slowly awakening again the door of the toril was cautiously opened again a bull as if he had been rehearsed for the part rushed straight at the helpless horse and buried his horns in his side catalina fancied she could hear the rip of the hide but this bull was more powerful than the other he lifted horse and rider on his horns and the picador amid the belated enthusiasm of the multitude leaped like a monkey over the wall as the torn horse was tossed and fell cracking to the ground well said over have you had enough they say you know that the horror soon passes and the fascination grows i am glad to know it was not my indian blood i can now understand the fascination but i shall never come again all the same we are none of us so far from savagery miss shaw mrs ruff they were in the passage behind the boxes and mrs ruff who was pallid with disgust and delighted to express herself to a sympathetic woman her young husband had sulkily torn himself from the ring walked out with catalina anathematizing the spanish race as they emerged mr moulton green and very silent disappeared when he returned he was still pale but normal once more and after a speech of five minutes duration in which ignoring the finer flowers of his working vocabulary he consigned spain to eternal perdition catalina had driven off with mrs roth he was quite restored and celebrated his recovery by a long pull at a wineskin i believe i am quite demoralized he said cheerfully and then in company with over and young roth whose wife had amiably bade him stay he returned to the ring End of chapter sixteen